Hello everyone, a quick note before we start the podcast. We had some difficulties with the audio for one of our guests on this episode. It's the result of a slightly challenging recording environment, not something that anyone could do much about at the time, unfortunately, but we do apologise for any impact on your enjoyment. Our producer has worked very hard to clear things up and you should still be able to follow along comfortably. And I will say that it's very much worth you sticking with it because there's some really compelling stuff in there. So with that being said, let's get underway. Because ultimately, you no know, sport, sport is incredible. At its best, it is amazing. It's just, there's parts of it that could be a bit better than, than, than they are. Hi everyone and welcome once again to the Sports Pro Podcast. My name is Owen Connolly. I'm the editor-at-large at Sports Pro. Hope you're well. We are going to be talking today about the ability of sport to make a positive social impact and about sports capacity to reinvent itself in a more sustainable manner. And we're going to be doing that in the context of the Laureus Sport for Good Index, which will be launching this week as you're listening to this. Um, two guests to help us through the index and also some of the wider issues at hand. We have the Laureus Managing Director, Ned Wills. Hello, Ned. Hi, Ned. And we have one of the most decorated British Paralympians of all time. Long CV includes the titles of Laureus Ambassador and member of the UK's House of Lords. Baroness Grey Thompson, can we call you Tani for the yes, purposes do. of this podcast? <laughs> okay. Please do, yeah. <laughs> Tani, welcome. It's great to have you both here. Um, we're going to be getting into some really deep, um, significant issues that I think kind of get to the you know, the crux of what the purpose really of organised sport is in, in, in society, which is, you know, yeah, nice high-minded concept to get into on a, on a podcast. But obviously we've, we've launched the Laureus Sport for Good Index, Ned, this week. Um, it's a partnership between Sports Pro and Laureus. What can you tell us about that, first of all, just to kind of set the scene for the conversation? Well, thanks, Ben, and, and thank you for having me. It's a privilege to be part of your esteemed podcast. Um, the Laureus Sport Good Index is, is a presentation, a, a celebration, if you like, of, of progress, collaboration, and uh, impact by brands uh, that are working in the sports industry that are using their involvement and association to drive positive social and environmental change. Um, it's the beginnings of a benchmark which highlights what sport is doing to promote and create positivity and alignment of, of, of brand, different brands' involvement in sport um, and how that can be used to drive uh, positive impact for the industry as a whole and society at, at large. Um, Laureus is, is based on a simple purpose that, that sport has the power to change the world. Nelson Mandela's iconic words, which began uh, our movement back in 2000. And really, this index is about celebrating exactly that and highlighting good practice within uh, the overall uh, sports sector. It's definitely not an exhaustive list, but it does highlight examples of, of good practice from which the whole industry can learn. And, and what's the process by which this has come together? How have those organisations that are on the list, how they've been assessed? So, so we brought together a, uh, an independent panel of experts to judge uh, and assess a long list of brands in the sector who are working uh, towards 
environmental and financial sustainability within the sector. Um, they were researched by uh, our team at, at SportsPro and with support of other experts in the, in the field. And then the, a judging panel assessed them on, on six main criteria within the context of, of uh, what we know as the, as the triple bottom line approach to people, planet, and profit. So these criteria looked at, at, at a number of different things and, and were scored on a number of different things. Um, they looked at uh, a measurable impact from, um, from sports-related CSR and um, environmental social governance activities within those brands. We looked at innovation and ambition of, of the company's activities. We looked at um, evidence of the company's um, own high standards of, of ESG, of environmental social governance and policy. We looked at the proportion of sports investment directed at the, at the chosen cause or, or chosen issue area versus their overall uh, um, sort of mainstream market. Um, we looked at the alignment of the of sport related activity with um, sustainable development goals as, as, a, as a, a benchmark or a list of, of, of focus areas. And import, really importantly, the links between these sort of purpose led investments to valid business metrics, um, which really sort of takes into account a measure of their potential sustainability of those initiatives for the for that particular um, business. So um, I think one of the important things to highlight at this stage, it's not a rank, but it's uh, you know, difficult to, to describe one different brand's activities as being better or worse than, than uh, another, another. At this stage, it's about um, applauding those who are doing well across a broad range of, of, of impact areas and, and highlighting and demonstrating and why there we feel, or the judging panel rather, uh, feel that, that um, those efforts ought to be lauded. Mm. It's not a ranking, but it, I suppose it serves as a benchmark for other organisations uh, working in the sports industry. Why did you feel it was important to create a class like this in this way? Well, I think, I think it's really important to, to recognise growth and development um, in, in this sector and around these particular issues that are, that are ever more important uh, um, to, to highlight and to, and to talk about. Um, we want to celebrate best practice, um, but also at the same time recognize, generate a conversation about how far the sports industry you know, has, has to go on these, on, on, on these different, different issues and how far the potential is for the sport industry to, to go in really delivering, delivering Know, a, a tremendous positive impact across a whole range of different uh, different different area areas. So you know, it's about highlighting what those areas are of, of development, where where different brands and organisations can make an impact, and start a conversation around how the industry can do more and how we can work together to have a much greater uh, impact on these uh, on these varying different issue areas. Let's let's bring you in, Tani, on on that point because I think that you know that's a a nice stage at which to, to widen the conversation. You know, you work across multiple different groups, you, you're, you know, in conversations with lots of different stakeholders, whether that's in your role in parliament or some of the other campaigning roles that you've had um, outside of that in sport. You know, where, where's the scope for
for the sports industry to improve some of its more socially conscious and, and sustainable practices? I think there's loads of scope to improve. And the first start part of it is about actually measuring. So, you know, we know that sport is empowering and, you know, develops resilience and it can be inspirational. Um, and, you know, the relationship with organized sports and agents and athletes and brands uh, can be quite complicated um, in, in, in terms of, um, you know, promotion. But, but actually, I think, and, and this is really important, that it kind of goes through all Sport for Good's workers in terms of measurement of our, our projects. Um, we, it, it, it's really important to look at what steps. So this is not about tick box compliance. It's not about, oh, yes, you know, we, we do something with sustainable development goals, but we don't have to answer to anyone about it. it it's actually about moving um, sport as a whole on. And I think historically, you know, sport sometimes just thinks of itself as different because of these inspiration modes. And, and it is, it's, it's not like, you know, any other sector that I've ever worked in, but I think also a lot of brands and, and people who work within it want to do more and, and want to do more than just tick a box. So I, I think this is um, a really important part of, of, of that development. And, and as we go forward, and I think it's just really exciting because even, you know, some bigger brands have more capacity and money to be able to do things, but you know, smaller brands um, can maybe be a bit more fleet of foot in in terms of what they do. Uh, so I, I think it is, you know, on sport to to kind of put its money where its mouth is. Actually, you know, in terms of you know saying it's good and it's amazing and powerful, but actually do something but behind that. Yeah, I mean, it raises a, an interesting question. If we take a step back from there. You know, should the sports industry think of itself as different? It's a it's a question that comes across or comes up. Sorry, whether you're talking about it commercially and does it behave differently from other parts of the entertainment industry, or whether you're talking about it uh, in terms of its social impact, whether you're talking about it in terms of its responsibility, who its partners are, who its investors are. Should the industry think of itself differently in terms of its position in society and its function? And if so. How should it be thinking of itself? We should celebrate the difference, absolutely, um, and understand that you know you, because of the power of sport, you can pull a lot of people in. Uh, but that social responsibility, I think, is a, a really important step forward. You know, as, as we see younger people come into work in the industry, I think you know there's a lot of athletes now who who take their own personal responsibility for the sport and the wider community um, much more seriously. They, they actually care about change and, and genuinely care about change not saying you know they do I mean I think where I've seen you know sport the fact we call it sport when there's lots of different components to it you know 20 years ago it was just about telling athletes to recycle some bottles uh, when they're at major games it's way beyond that um, these days and and I think you know the advent of social media has meant athletes are more connected to to their fans um, and and they realize that they they want to do something good to to bring about change. So it is it is exciting in terms of you know celebrating the difference, but also recognizing that responsibility. And I think we see it on different levels. You know, so a lot of my work at sort of more grassroots at project level, you know, it, it's amazing to see that the power of sport about inspiring young people. Um, and I think I'd, I'd just like to see that across the the whole of the industry um, in in terms of genuinely caring about that social responsibility and giving back. Mm. Ned, um, Tani talked about measurement there, both at a macro level and perhaps through some of the exercises 
that have been done for this list. How do how do you feel? How does Laureus feel? The industry is doing when it comes to to some of these practices. I think there's always room for improvement, and it depends. I mean, there's so many different uh, different things ultimately that, that need to be and can be uh, measured in this particular uh, field. We spend a lot of time uh, seeking with our um, foundation colleagues to measure the impact of the investments that, that, that we're making in over 250 different programs around the world. Um, just as, 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 as any business, um, uh, charitable, uh, social enterprise or, or commercial businesses is seeking to do across its own, um, own metric. I think there's enormous scope to, um, to implement and measure initiatives that, that are making a big you know, difference. Um, and it all comes down to being really clear in terms of what those, um, uh, what those initiatives are seeking ultimately to do. And there's a huge broad, you know, broad range across the examples and case studies within the index of initiatives and brands getting involved in an enormous, enormous number of different, different things, whether that's encouraging, uh, um, in, encouraging girls' education through sport, whether it's encouraging uh, better environmental practices uh, um, through sport, whether it's enacting and enabling those environmental practices or, or those social practices, um, or whether it's um, getting the company and the rights holder and the, and the partnership itself to adopt those particular um, practices. I think that, um, that we can all do more to measure, and indeed, to sort of, uh, I think it's fair to be publicizing and doing more to, to actually highlighting which is what we're trying to do with the index, where where those measures exist, how we create benchmarks, how we create within sport our own little bit of competition uh, as to kind of uh, who's doing it well um, and, uh, um, and and how they're ultimately doing it. I think also there needs to be more alignment when we're talking to uh, sort of bigger global initiatives like the sustainable development goals. How do we how do we sort of benchmark against those particular goals? How do we um, uh, create measures um, that actually give some measure rather than just general speculation as to how we're, um, how we're impacting those particular goals? As I say, we put a lot of work into, into how we do that from the programs perspective, how we work with programs around the world to impact lives of young kids and to measure our impacts on on, on gender, on poverty, on physical activity, etc., against uh, the, the goals. But um, I think certainly there's a whole area of discussion about how we make that um, uh, relevant to brands working towards those same uh, goals using sport. Tani, you look like you you had something to add in on that point. No, I I, I, I kind of agree with Ned really, and we've worked together a long time in different parts of this, uh, and. You know, brands have to be sustainable because they're a business, you know, and that's part of it. But um, I think it's them understanding there's a different way of working um, and, you know, that they have a responsibility to to raise the bar on everything um, that happens in, in the wider world of sport. And, you know, when Ned talks about, you know, some of the project work and the measurement for that, it's, it's about he- helping people connect and learn from each other to do more. You know, from from the foundation point of view, it's not about us turning up and telling projects how to run because 
that sort of local knowledge, local experience is is really important. It's, it's the same with the index. It's not a saying to brands, this is what you have to do, but it's about having that sort of check and balance uh, and and sort of a shining light on on some of the things that that they do. Because um, ultimately, you no know, sport sport is incredible at its best. It is amazing. Um, it's just there's parts of it that could be a bit better than 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 they are. I think at all, you know, there's, there's scope at all levels within those brands. And again, we see some, from some of the examples uh, throughout the index that, that more and more businesses seem to be recognizing themselves as a, as a community, um, a community of employees, of customers and, and stakeholders, which is, which is terrific. And, and certainly we see um, some of the scope when those businesses start to integrate their association and those goals at all different levels of their of their business you know, beyond the traditional sponsorship and marketing communications uh, approach that has become incredibly sophisticated within sport over the years, perhaps much more than any other entertainment um, uh, sector, if you like. But we see that you know now being being driven through other areas of the business in conjunction with these sort of wider um, social and environmental goals, you know to to effectively to attract talent, as just one uh, example area, they need to more and more demonstrate to their, you know, to, to their next generation of leaders, to the next generation of talent coming into those those organisations. They need to, you know, align uh, in order to attract that talent. They need to align doing good with, as Tammy said, you know, doing well as a as a business. Um, so I think the scope is there to use their partnership investments to drive value for that entire um, community, integrating into communications. But also, you know, we're seeing examples where integrating that, those those sporting, the inspirational sporting investments into human resources, uh, management development, business operation, culture, uh, product development, service standards, um, really squeezing value, if you like, from those investments. But other end, adding you know, adding enormous value as well into the, into the sector and these and these wider uh, these wider goals. So I think we're getting better. I think it, you know, it's definitely getting better. Um, but uh, you know, there is the wonderful thing about sport is that we're capturing audio, you know, it captures an enormous audience who are you know who are themselves increasingly demanding that more of the organisations that they you know were patronised, patronised uh, are using. You know, using their contribution uh, as a as a point of difference and a, and a highlighting you know this, this, their contribution to these wider goals as their point of difference from perhaps their competitors and, and other sectors. Just to take it back to the list for a moment before we open the conversation out again. I mean, you weren't directly involved with the judging process, but obviously you were one of the people who helped to design some of those criteria by which this class has been assessed. Um, what, were, what were some of the things that you were looking out for that were you know, tangible things that perhaps other brands and organisations in sport can learn from? Well, really interesting, interesting stories, really, where you see that alignment and connection. You say, I, you know, I know that the, that the uh, judging uh, panel session was a, uh, was a very intense um, uh, debate. Um, across the various um, uh, panel members, um, but you know, so and there was lots of agreement and disagreement and, uh, and throwing around of, of, uh, of this very long list of different um, 
they're getting it right. They're aligning their businesses um, and and their kind of their, their, their approach to business with their investment support to and, cre- and creating partnerships that then go on to create uh, create change. So from a from for instance from an environmental um, perspective, and I won't sort of highlight any of the, the different um, uh, you know, different brands themselves in particular because they're all very good, but um, in, in that sort of environmental element, linking to what they call scope one, two, and three of, of, of impact, if you like, looking at, at upstream, looking at downstream, looking at their business uh, as a whole. You know, you're looking. We're looking for case studies in when when the focus area was one was around the environment, and they're certainly not all. Some are environmentally focused. Some are much more socially focused. But you know, this is the, you're looking for that kind of integration. Um, looking at holistic approach rather than just taking a property and, and a partnership and, and having a specific goal and that goes into a communications output can't be all wonderful but rather sort of when you've got much broader consideration of, of suppliers, employees, ultimate customers, uh, you, you know, the impact on, uh, on a much wider range of, of that wider community that I was just talking about. Those are the really interesting, uh, interesting case studies and there's, and there's lots of those throughout. Tani, you've you know your career as an athlete. You came through one of the organisations, one of the movements that's perhaps done more than any other to drive inclusivity and visibility for for a marginalised group or for marginalised groups. Um, and I wanted to talk a little bit about what sports organisations can do to encourage that kind of inclusivity and, and to create more welcoming environments. I mean, first of all, how much does that come from the top? How important is it to have leaders from different backgrounds, to have leaders with different experiences when it comes to designing policies and designing uh, strategies that you know really drive change? Well, in terms of business, you know they've been talking about for twenty years about inclusive leadership and you know inclusive boards, and you know there are better decisions made if if that's in place. You know people who come you know with a different thought process, and and that's true in sport as well. So. Um, and, you know, in a British context, there's been, you know, very serious and committed attempts to, to you know, have diversity at all levels of decision making, which is, is really important. So the message from the top is, is massively important and how that filters down to middle management, because they may be the ones working on a day to day basis to, to bring about change. And, you know, the Paralympic movement's been really interesting. You know, um, this year they've been talking much more uh, about disabled people's lives and work and discrimination as opposed to sport. You know, the Paralympics is an amazing two weeks of a, a sporting event. But unless disabled people have rights and opportunities to take part uh, and, you know, they're treated like athletes, then it's 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 really difficult for the Paralympic movement to keep evolving. So it, it's actually got to come from, from so many different levels. And one thing I keep saying, you know, uh, disabled people ha- have to have the opportunity to be not very good at sport. And just be a bit rubbish at it. And that's okay, because it's not all about Paralympic pathway. I mean, it's kind of rich me saying that, but you know, it, it's about giving um all young people the, the chance to be physically active. And then if they find they have talent and they want to do it and they have good opportunities around them, they can take that to the next level. But you know, that that's true for women, it, it's true for you know other protected characteristics. Lots of things have to line up to 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 make it it work. Um and you know, talk back to the you know the the role of, of the foundation and 
you know, the projects we support around the world, they're amazing. I mean, they're just, when you go and visit them, they're, they're incredible because it's about giving a, a young person a chance to use sport to do something differently with their lives. Um, and, and for me, that that is life-changing for, for those individuals. Watching elite sport is great and it brings people in, but um, it's it's the grassroots stuff that, that has an impact. And, and so I think it's just really important, like leaders need to go and see what's happening on the ground and they need to see everything else in between in terms of it, you know, um, having a positive impact and affecting their change. And I talk about this a lot, you know, I, I went to Rwanda quite a few years ago now with, with the foundation and it was life changing for me um, because, you know, I met a group of disabled people who'd extreme experienced massive discrimination, but we're using really positive things through sport to change their lives and change the lives of others. So, um, yeah, I, I, and the best leaders I've seen in sport are the ones who are not frightened to put really good people around them, who will question them, will challenge them, and and will will make sport better. Really, um, you know. So the the best leaders are incredible people. Yeah, and I mean you can you can invert that, and you know you you already have to a certain extent, but there is a challenge that comes with creating an environment that makes anybody feel welcome to join in whether that's within a business, I'm conflating things slightly here, but whether that's within a business or whether that's within a sports project where you're giving someone an opportunity to participate and without judgment, without, you know, kind of fear or favor. And and that then creates the foundation for that change to happen. I think, you know, change doesn't always trickle down, does it? And a lot of the time it has to be built from the, from the bottom up. What are, what are some of the principles that you've seen in action that, uh, that make that possible and and that can can create the conditions for that effectively. So when I was growing up, I didn't see other disabled people in the media or anywhere really. Um, the only representation of disability were two actors on TV who were pretending to be disabled. Um, so it's Sandy Richardson on Crossroads and Ironside. So um, you know the world has moved on in terms of actually we need to see people who look like us and who sound like us and you know, to, to have that connection. And I think that's really interesting in terms of like elite athletes, you know, they, in lots of sports, they now come from very different backgrounds, different people. And and that sort of connection is, is very sort of interesting to have. But um, I think that it's about being open to change and open to learn. So as an athlete, you've got to learn all the time because you've got to be better next year than you were this year. And you're always having to recreate yourself and you're having to find new ways of doing things and to, to, to be better. Um, and I think, you know, where we see, you know, um, uh, maybe international federations and where we see sports brands, they can't keep doing the same things they've done before. So they have to find new and innovative ways to, to bring um, to bring about change within them. And I think something Ned said earlier, you know, to, to attract young, diverse talent. Um, I was talking to a recruiter last week and he's saying um, – you know, 20 years ago, they would go out and, you know, they would be sort of saying to these young people, oh, you know, we're an amazing company. You know, you have to want to join us. The way that conversation's changed, young people are now interviewing the recruiters saying, what has your company got that would make me want to join you? You know, wh- where do you fit in with my views of, of the world? And I think that's kind of a really interesting change as well in that, you know, people want to work in sport, but they want to work in sport because it holds the right values as well. So sorry, it's like slight tangent on that, but um, I think 
you know, it's it's fascinating uh, how if brands change and they think differently about what they do, um, how that will filter down into to the wider community. It's, you know, we, we've seen in, in the last 18 months, you know, the power of elite athletes to change government's opinions, to be able to have a different conversation, you know, to feed children, um, you know, to talk about mental health. You know, the fact you've got elite athletes doing that does have a, a, a different con- a different conversation can be possible because of that. Just how tangibly have the effects of the last 18 months, have, the, have those events been felt in decision making circles is it is it something that is it's just part of the conversation or are we seeing a genuine kind of realignment of priorities as a result of of what the pandemic has has shown us about society and and the way things work wow that's a big question uh i i think in in some places we're seeing genuine realignment you know um i know in my like real job in the house of lords you know it's an institution that's been around for 800 years we would never have even vaguely had a conversation about working online or voting online or having an app. I mean, you, you would have been sent to the Tower of London for even suggesting such a thing. And now it's like we we can work in a different way. And I think, you know, if an institution that hasn't really changed much in probably 400 years can do it, it shows that that lots of things can change. I think what I'm seeing around is that when people say, how are you? They mean it more. It's not as an opener to get into something else. Um, it's, I, I think people are being more caring and I, I hope we don't lose that. Um, so the, the pandemic has been horrible, brutal, I mean, just appalling, but, but I think it's shown everybody that we don't have to do things in traditional ways. We don't have to accept the, the status quo. Um, so uh, I, I hope it brings about meaningful long-term change and that whenever we get out the other side we don't just forget how hard it's been but you know thinking about sport um you know people have missed watching sports absolutely um they've missed playing sport and being active um and uh you know actually physical activity is a, a really important part of bringing people back together so you know it's it's important that um kind of sport plays its part in you know in, in the UK government we talk about the leveling up agenda and um you know sport and physical activity can play a really important part in bringing people back together in a really positive way now I wanted to talk a bit about the role that public authorities and and, and government have to play in all of this obviously Tani you've painted a, a picture there of you know very complicated very kind of multimodal issue that sometimes does require intervention from uh, from authorities that that have that power to you know to affect change in, in on lots of different levels what what have you learned um and this is obviously going to be from a, a uk context but ned we can kind of bring you in a little on, on what you've learned across international projects too but what have you learned tanya about the role that government plays in the sports industry and in particularly uh kind of sport as a a force for positive social change and is it playing the right role? How can it be an effective partner in in some of those uh, in some of those discussions? I mean, government has a really important role to play, whether that's in terms of setting the tone or legislation or funding, in terms of its impact on public health and leisure. It has a really important role to play. You know, the pandemic has been brutal on, on public leisure in in the UK. Um, you know, councils are having to make massive decisions about 
where their funding goes and it's you know is it public leisure or is it health and social care so there are really really big decisions which um are, are still sort of coming towards us um and then in other ways you know sport sorry government sometimes doesn't want to legislate on sport it says you know certain sports are big and they need to you know be in charge of their own destiny and and they need to sort of legislate and and, and police themselves so um i i think government can have a very positive role in terms of setting that tone but but also we have to encourage people to take personal responsibility for their health and mental well-being and uh and, and you have to have good opportunities around for for you know people to be able to to do sport and physical activity so i'd love to give you a really simple answer um but it, it sort of <laughs> sadly doesn't sort of quite quite work in that way i know from you know either you know i visit projects in the uk hopefully we'll be able to start doing that again fairly soon um and i've been to lots of projects around the world um and it's that undeniable kind of truth that you know that you can bring people together you can use the power of sport and and you can affect change um and from all the projects that i visit all of them want to learn they want to be better they might be doing incredible things but they say well, what what more can we do how can we get to more young people how can we um and that's really uh exciting and quite humbling actually that even project you know that are doing amazing things want, want to want to do more because it's you know, if you bring people in through sport, you can educate them, you can teach them about different backgrounds, you can teach them about diversity, you can teach them about different opinions, you know, you can, you can use sport in a really, really smart way uh, to, uh, to, to educate the next generation of young people. Well, I was going to say, uh, just to add to that, Laura's uh, um, we, been part of, um, founded in, in the UK, was one of the founding um, partners of a sport for development coalition brought together a number of the different actors who are working across the country um, in in support of this idea that sport that you know that sport has this enormous role to play not just in not just for sport's sake and all the things that we know that one which intrinsically know and love about sport but you know it, its impact on the wider kind of government departments whether that's its impact on health education on social care on, on a sort of much broader uh, um, in this case, levelling up uh, agenda. Um, and they just actually uh, published a coalition that's recently published a piece on, on uh, you know, very real, tangible impacts, financial impacts that that um, uh, it's been proven to have by, you know, by integrating sport and physical activity as very much the central piece of that, of that levelling up agenda and the enormous impact it can have, not just in communicating and bringing communities together, but actually driving tangible value across all those different uh, outcomes, whether that be keeping kids in school or keeping um, people healthier and, and, and these sorts of things. It raises another interesting point of conversation, which is, you know, whether whether it be at a government level, Tani, or whether it be some of the brands who perhaps have not found themselves on, on the Laureus Sport for Good index, you know, that you can you can make a lot of noise. You can be incredibly visible with, um, let's say, positive-facing campaigns that aren't doing very much on the ground. Um, you know, are we seeing enough? Are we seeing enough concentration on some of the meaningful shifts in participation? Some of the meaningful 
gains in kind of uh, positive social impact or are we still seeing kind of halo effects or kind of you know hit and hope let's let's concentrate on the thing that will get the headline and then hope that somehow through some kind of you know transformation <laughs> there will be there will be an impact at the bottom line is that is that penny beginning to drop or is there still a lot of work to be done when it comes to communicating that I think you need sort of a carrot and a stick approach to it, really. Uh, and, uh, you know, companies and brands and people change because they want to change or they recognize they need to change. So that, that sort of comes in in lots of different ways. But I think, you know, putting the information out there and um, starting to look at this in a different way, the fact that this hasn't been done in this way before is really interesting as as well. Um and uh, I think you, you've got to affect change in lots of different ways. There are loads of different levers that you can pull to, to bring about change. And this is just a, a really in, important part of, of, of that process. Does it come down, I mean, I'll open this to, to both of you, but does it come down to accountability, really? Does it come down to some of these campaigns or, you know, you you say you want to make a, an impact in a particular area, you want to have uh, you know, a particular positive effect. Does it come down to can we live this before we transmit this kind of thing? Can we, you know, can we can we walk the walk before we talk the talk? And things like participation figures, you know, they go up and down, you know, they they relate to, you know, family income and opportunity and travel and, you know, that connection do you actually want to do that sport or physical activity you know you could put on the most amazing sports development program ever but if nobody actually wants to do that particular sport then it doesn't matter um so the the connections comes in 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 lots and lots of um different ways so i think you know, as as a whole sector, if you take it from and the fact that, you know, we say sport, but it's a massive sector. If you take every single bit of it and put it together, um, you know, change has got a, it's different change for different levels of, of the sector as, as well. Um, what I'm seeing is a desire to to be better, to do things differently, to engage in with young people uh, in a different way. And all the really positive things where you see, you know, for me, like sport changed my life. I, I want other people to experience, you know, the really positive bits about what sport can do to to young people's lives. So, um, yeah, you're asking really, really big questions here. We could probably spend about 10 hours debating some of these things. And then, you know, what, what works in, you know, London might not work in the northeast of England. What works in the UK might not work in India. And each brands bring differences to it as well. And the, the culture of those brands can be quite different as well. But I'm just, you know, if you don't measure, if you don't put a line in the sand, you're never going to improve and get better. Uh, and, and this is, you know, what, what, you know, the index is about. I agree. It's about the, the, the debate. And it's about having that debate. And that, as I said, said right, you know, I said, about sort of highlighting um, good practice, but uh, certainly not the only uh, um, practice. And just going, going back to some of the points you made, I think one of the things that, that we found is is that one information is not readily available, um, and as you say, that's that could be about brands and organisations wanting to walk the walk rather than talk the talk, if you, if you like. 
there's a there's this balance between authenticity and genuine efforts to to make a, an impact and the kind of the, the marketing exercise that goes alongside that. Um, and that could be an area I think where there's you know, different brands take a different view on getting that balance right. Um, people, yes, we, we we need more and more measurements and uh, ways of, of of measuring these different impacts. But I think it's fairly safe to say that um, that people see through um, inauthentic uh, efforts, ungenuine efforts, pretty quick. And I think that perhaps that's part of of brand decision making is uh, as to kind of how they talk about how transparent they are with these particular efforts is you know whether those efforts will be seen as genuine authentic efforts or whether they will be interpreted rightly or wrongly as uh, just marketing um, marketing initiatives to, to promote the brand and I think that's fine balance. We're running very short on time, which ironically is a great context in which to. Uh, introduce conversation about the environment. Um, as people are listening to this, the COP26 conference will be underway. The, uh, I think Laureus will have a presence there. And obviously, you know, sustainability, environmental sustainability has been uh, a big part of the criteria for, for some of the organizations that are on the index. Um, I guess, Ned, you know, we don't have much time to get into the minutiae of this, but from a big change you know organizational transformation perspective how much of a test is climate change going to be uh to sport and to to bodies operating within sport to to do something meaningful that has a measurable output um for good well big big question there i think that what we've been talking about here is sports uh, ability to galvanize uh, an enormous number of people um, behind behind it, behind the many different sports disciplines, teams, leagues, players, uh, um, athletes, um, and I think there is an opportunity. And again, hopefully within the context of the of the index now and in the in the future, um, you know, we, we, we're seeing different ways in which sport is reacting to that opportunity to make a difference in its environmental uh, um, uh, field, if you like. Um, Laureates were amongst the first uh, signatories to the UN Sport for Change uh, Action Framework, uh, something we're very uh, proud of, and we will continue to promote and seek to celebrate um, practices which see sport seeking to galvanize its audience, its fan base, its fan bases, if you like, um, to adopt more practices that are going to have uh, an impact on on the challenges that that we face. Um, so I think there's enormous again, there's enormous opportunity, latent opportunity, um, uh, you know, to to use sport as a tool to carry the sort of messaging that's going to create the change in behaviour that we we need to see. And, and that's the whole industry, not not just you know the sponsors or brands. It's not their responsibility. It's it's everybody involved in our industry. Um, and you know, like with social change and and the, which has been the focus of Laureus for the last 20 years, you know, the, the, uh, the opportunities to promote environmental best practice um, are as, as, as there as, as they've ever been. And, and I think that sport definitely 
huge impact on uh, on encouraging people and on the changes that ultimately we need to make. And, and Tani, from your perspective, how how can organisations be responsive and be responsive quickly to some of those demands? And, and climate change is, is the obvious one, but it's not going to be the only one that uh, that that these organisations have to have to react to. Yeah, climate change is you know obviously huge at the moment, and and it's not going to go away. But you know, for years we've been talking about legacy and sustainability, and and lots of other words. It's it's about actually having an action plan about how it's going to change. You know, and you know, major sporting events, uh, you know, are looking very differently about how they organise from how they used to, even sort of 10, 15 years ago. You know, it's brands, it's it's athletes, it's governing bodies. Um, it's local developments. Um, it's it's actually the sector. It needs and has actually the, the last eighteen months has brought the sector together in a way that um, I've not seen in the same way before. It's about everyone coming together and thinking about what they're going to do about change. And a lot of them, it can be little changes as well as big changes. But you know, it, it, everybody can do something to do um, it better and in a different way. So. I'm really positive about the future of sport um, in terms of um, actually sport standing up and saying, like, we're an amazing project. We're an amazing thing to be part of. Actually, we're going to lead the way on change. We're not going to wait for somebody to tell us what to do. We're actually going to come together as a collective and, and do something differently. OK, well, that's a strong note to end on, but we are going to have to leave it there. The Laureus Sport for Good Index is available now on sportspromedia.com for you to peruse and take Whatever lessons you can, and uh, I strongly advise you go and check it out if you haven't already. There'll be some other content as well to support that over the course of the next few days and weeks. And these are topics I'm sure we will return to uh, again and again over the next few years. But for now, I'm going to have to say goodbye to Baroness Gray Thompson. Thank you very much, Tani. Thank you. And to Ned Wills. Thanks, Owen. Thanks very much for having me. It's been a pleasure. It has indeed, and thanks to all of you for listening. We'll be back with you again very soon. Bye-bye. The Sports Pro Podcast is published by Sports Pro Media. 